0: Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks.
1: In this episode, meet performer Dessa, author and photographer Kate Inglis, and innovation leader Beth Comstock. Hear the incredibly intimate and true stories of love and loss that brought each writer to the mic, and find encouragement and support in facing grief and fear. Plus, discover why recording an audiobook is a delicate balance between narrator and listener. Enjoy.
0: Hello, this is Dessa, and I am sitting in front of a microphone in a soundproof booth in New York City at the Penguin Random House Audio Studios, and I am almost done recording the audio version of my book, My Own Devices. Which is my first hardcover collection of essays. And it is a book about my time on the road spent as a touring musician in the company of Doomtree, my all dude rap crew, and also about the process of falling in love with one of those members and struggling like crazy to fall out of love and a lifelong infatuation with science. I wrote the book. A lot of it while I was on the road or in between tours. So I know that at least for some of the final chapters, I was like frantically editing or responding to copy edit markups while I could hear the opening band play. So I was sitting backstage in a room covered with like graffiti and band stickers, drinking my first whiskey on the rocks of the night, trying to make sure I spelled everything right before I had to go take stage. Hmm the experience of narrating an audiobook was different than I thought it would be. Because I think, in part, like I have this experience as a performer. You know, I spend most of my working hours on stage singing songs I've written or performing monologues. But I do all of that with an audience, and so there's a certain energy you get, you know, when you're on stage and you can see the immediate feedback of people looking back at you and to sit in like an acoustically dead room (laughs) with a window to two people I recently met and talk about the intimacies of my life story, that is not a headlining rap show. It just, uh, it feels different. Is there a word or a phrase that I struggled with? To that question, the answer is yes. An embarrassing multitude. There are words and phrases that I didn't even realize I didn't know how to say until you see them on the horizon of the line that you are currently reading and uh, realize that you're going to have to stop the process to ask someone else how to pronounce your life story, (laughs) which is sort of like stopping a pedestrian on the street and asking if they know where you live and if they could give you a piggyback there. It's just sort of an embarrassing thing to have to ask. But um, proper names, proper nouns, don't know how to say any of them. And um, the word bodice, I just, just horrified <laughs> to realize I had no idea how to say bodice. I don't know <laughs> what my intuition was doing, but I didn't know how to say it. I think that the parts of the audiobook of which I'm most proud are those passages where I was reading, you know, essentially like scrolling on an iPad. And I found myself kind of lost in the experience again that I'd been relaying. So the most exciting parts for me are not the best because I nailed some technical level of excellence. They're best because they're true. And they sound true because I was overwhelmed by the truth of them. I'm a big true guy. I like truth, which is why I suppose I write essays and not fiction. Okay. Who is my dream narrator, living or dead? Mm, I'm going to split the diff. And I'm going to say that if I could cast the readers for my audiobook, I would have Morgan Friedman do the titles and Rosie Perez do the text. I do have memories of being read to as a child. In fact, my mom read to me a lot bedtime style, and we read a series by Anne McCaffrey called The Dragons of Pern. (laughs) and i obviously really dug it cuz i know that i i named my first goldfish kairana which was a character's name from that series but as an adult like picking up one of those books it is completely and utterly insane to me that my mother would read that shit to me at bedtime cuz it's like it's like softcore porn <laughs> like it makes sense that she was skipping so many pages i just remember like this constant like flutter through vast sections of the books and uh and now i know why do i listen to audiobooks you know i listen to a lot of like audio lit but i admit it's usually in like bite sized pieces so the most recent reading that i really dug was a poem called indigo by a poet named ellen bass just like knocked me on my ass i was walking to the gym and I freaked out pedestrians because I think three times, like alone in my, my earbuds, I just went, wow, <laughs> walking like an idiot. Uh, water bottle in hand. Couldn't recommend it enough.
1: This is Kate Inglis. If I had to describe the experience of recording the audiobook, <laughs> there are too many words. I'm exhausted. I'm so tapped, but at the same time, I'm so filled up. But I think the feeling that I have more than anything else is just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because my agent told me at the beginning of all this to be kind of cool, you know? Like, don't expect them to want you to read it. And that is the first time it had dawned on me that I wouldn't be reading it. And I thought, oh, of course, there's going to be a professional doing this, and it's a real skill, and... But then that means someone else is going to be reading my guts and heart and memories. And isn't that a little strange? And I finally got my head around it. But then I got the phone call that they did want me to read it. And I just feel so much gratitude. If it had have gone another way, I still would have felt gratitude. But to be in this process and to spend, you know, 18 odd hours in this little black room Really reliving everything has been such a gift and such a learning experience, so I'm really just grateful for it. There were a lot of names in the book that I didn't realize that I had never spoken aloud before, and so that caused quite a few moments when we had to kind of stop and say, we need to make sure we're saying Soren Kierkegaard's first name properly, or Foray. And even now, in trying to pull them to my mind, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre. You know, I don't want to say Jean-Paul Sartre. I want to say it in a way that's sophisticated. It doesn't make me sound like a caveman. All the philosophers, all the artists, all the other writers. And we tried, but now it's all just left my brain. So, but I appreciate the help as we went. When I imagine people listening to this book, I'm excited for people to experience it, I hope, like they're sitting with me with a cold beer, or a hot tea, and that they feel like I'm there with them. Because I know when I recorded it, I felt like amazing kind of like spectral presences all around the room of all of these people that have been so kind to me and that have opened up so much to me ever since Liam died. And there are honestly hundreds of them. And it really feels in the book like a flotilla. And so as I was reading, I was always kind of walking that fine line of not wanting to sort of abuse people with emotion. I need to make sure I keep it together because as funny as it sounds, it's not all just about me. The more important participant in this is the listener and not me. So I don't want to be kind of letting my own blubbery, sort of (laughs) unexpected emotional reactions to kind of get in the way of your experience of the book. So it was an interesting kind of constant balancing of letting a little bit through and then pulling it back and then letting a little bit through and pulling it back because it just comes through sometimes. But I hope that what people feel is just that companionship because I know how badly I needed it. Okay, dream narrator, dead or alive. Notes for the Everlost narrated by Daffy Duck. Barring that, my second choice would be Helen Mirren. There is a YouTube video of her on Stephen Colbert, and he asks her to read Tennyson's Ulysses, and she does. Not that you needed to see this to know that she's incredible, but she read this poem, and she makes him cry on air, and it makes me cry. I still can't watch it without just being like, Helen Marin, please be my fairy godmother. She's just so amazing. And I could have imagined that for sure. Hi, this is Beth
2: Comstock. I wrote Imagine It Forward because I want to unlock the change maker within. Encouraging people to summon the permission and courage to take small steps forward to make change happen. It's scary. It is for all of us. I hope to unlock some of that with Imagine It Forward. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be hard. Why? This was incredibly difficult. I'm not a narrator. I don't like the sound of my voice. And it was a lot of work. I realized I had trouble pronouncing asked, A-S-K-E-D. For some reason, I kept dropping the D. I'm excited about the section called You Are Not a Robot. It recreates a speech I gave to a class at G.E. Crotonville. It was something I was very passionate about. I put a lot of energy into writing it, and I brought that all back when I was reading it. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Amanda Palmer, the musician. I just like her style, I like her tone of expression, and her rebelliousness.
0: This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random
2: House Audio. Thank you for listening.